You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Principal tasks, six simple rules for coexisting with zombie students. Rule number one, zombies are basically harmless creatures. They want to be accepted just like you. Treat them with the same respect you would treat any visitor on campus. Rule number two, while in the halls, walk slowly and wear a vacant expression on your face. Zombies won't attack zombies. Rule number three, never travel alone. Move in packs. Follow the crowd. Zombies detest blatant displays of individuality. Rule number four. In class, sit quietly in your seats and wait to be called upon. Do not raise your hand or make any sudden moves. No one hates a know-it-all more than a zombie. Rule number five. If a zombie should attack, do not run. Instead, throw raw steak at him. Zombies love raw meat. This display of kindness will go a long way. And rule number six, wear a vial filled with fish oil around your neck at all times. Zombies detest the smell of fish. This is your way of saying, hey, Mr. Zombie, respect my space. If students and zombies respect each other's space, our school will be a very happy place. E. Van Lowe co-wrote the Academy Award-nominated short film Cadillac Dreams. He's written for the television shows that include The Cosby Show, Knight Rider, and Even Stevens. His first novel for young adults is Never Slow Dance with a Zombie. Thank you for speaking with me, E. It's a pleasure to be here, Rick. E, this is a wonderful novel. It's very funny. Tell us a little bit about creating the perspective of your first, uh, of your narrator, uh, Margot Jean Johnson. She's an interesting character. You know, Margot is, is one of those people that, that we can't stand. And, and, and that's about the best way to describe her. You know, I read a lot of young adult, and the protagonists are generally quite sweet. And I really wanted to create a, a protagonist that, that wanted to be sweet, that wanted to be nice. But she wanted so much. And so if, 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 if the choice was popularity and being nice, she was going to take popularity. And that's Marco. Uh, she's a, a compulsive list maker. There are lots of lists in this book and lots of funny asides. You, you have a great voice for, for this character. Talk about creating that voice. Did you like, um, it seems like you might have just actually spoken this out loud to hear it yourself. I, I do talk when I write. I, I, it's kind of like, I guess from writing TV, I, I kind of speak through it. So uh, I don't know where the voice came from. I just started writing one day. <laughs> you channeled your inner uh, 16-year-old I girl. my inner 16-year-old. I just started writing one day, and I actually, actually wrote a prologue, which is not in the book. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in this prologue, she just tells all the readers about why they're not going to like this book. And when I was finished with the prologue, I said, well, that's, a, that's an interesting voice, you know, and, let, I, and so I tried to stay with it. And I don't know where the asides came from. I was writing one day, and I did an aside, and I liked it. And I thought, oh, I'll keep that. <laughs> so, Well, this is an it. interesting vision of 
teen life and of life in general. And one of the things that I think about zombies that's important to understand or is maybe easy to miss is that we we think about the George Romero films and some of the other, you know, flesh-eating zombies, but it's really a perception of humanity as a mass. And when we see just those other people, the others out there, the crowd, and I think you capture that well in this book. I think, you know, one of the things I wanted to do was talk about being an individual. Because when you look at zombies, you know, you look at any of those those films, you know, you go to the mall and, and everyone's a zombie and they're all alike. And so I wanted to do two things. I I wanted to distinguish one group of zombies from another. As you can see, the cliques are, are you know, still hanging together. But I really wanted to talk about that we shouldn't hang with each other all the time, that we have to step outside and become individuals. And, and, and so that was a statement I was trying to make with the book, or one of the statements I was trying to make. It's interesting. I think one of the things that's um, interesting about you know using elements of the fantastic and horror fiction and science fiction and fantasy fiction is that you can just use one um, device, you know, a literary tool like the zombie, and use that to talk about things uh, very plainly and put them right out there in the open that are otherwise kind of difficult to describe. I think one of the things about a writing genre, you know, like you say, sci-fi or even horror, is that. If, if all you're doing is trying to scare people or be fantastic, uh, I, I think you miss the power of the genre. I, th- I think the genre is, is really about making statements in a fantastic way. So it's just sort of like the medicine goes down quite easily with a, with a spoonful of sugar. Or in this case, a spoonful of sticky red-flavored uh, caro syrup. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, now... Margot has a, a friend, Sybil, and, and she has a nemesis, Amanda. Amanda Culpepper. Uh, Amanda Culpepper. Now, one of the things that I think you also capture in this book very well is the way that uh, single incidents in our in our youth can kind of uh, mark us, and we'll, we keep coming back to that. So even when uh, Margot's now in high school, she remembers that early rejection. Talk, talk about that and about how that kind of figures into the zombie theme. Well, interestingly enough, that we were looking for some connection between Margot's past and her present. And my editor told me this summer camp story. It's, it's actually my editor's story. And she told me this summer camp story. And, you know, we both thought that's, that's a really good story to use. It's something that Margot can carry with her for a long period of time. And I won't spill the story because I want people to go out and read the book. But a lot of times things that, that do happen to us that, that leave little scars, now, you know, not huge scars, but little scars that affect us later on. And, you know, one of the things I actually enjoyed when, in writing the book is, is when the whole thing comes out when they're up on the ropes and they're dangling on the ropes, you know, trying to escape the zombies. And she asks her about the incident. And then she realizes, well, she's not even worth my time. So I, I probably didn't answer your question, but I had to... I had fun trying. <laughs> um, one of the things that, that all of us experience in school, no matter whether we're popular or not, is this is this idea of cliques and, and 
you have a lot of fun with this. Um, but also, I think, you know, you, you get to a kind of a serious, there's a little bit of a serious undercurrent here because these kind of cliques are the people, kind of things that lead people to feel excluded sometimes and often violently excluded. And the zombie metaphor allows you to, I think, approach that kind of violent uh, feeling, but with a playful uh, attitude. Well, going back to school, junior high and high school, you know, I was I was one of those kids. I was very fortunate. I was one of those kids who kind of c- could go into different groups. So I didn't have one group of friends. I had a number of groups of friends. But something my father was always telling me was, "Don't go with the crowd. You know, don't hang with the with the bad people." And 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 so I I was always trying to fit in, and yet always trying to be an individual at the same time. And and so in writing the book. I think what's important is clicks, and probably more now than when I was a kid, it is really important to fit in, it's really important to identify with a group, but you can lose your identity in a group. And, you know, one of the great things about Margot is because she's an outcast, she's not in a group, but because she's not in a group, uh, she's able to f- to find her identity, her and Sybil. And when you lose your identity in a group, that's when you become a zombie. That's when you become a zombie, which can be violent. You know, it's, it's interesting because I'm now writing another book and I actually, and a similar theme has popped up that, you know, groups, uh, groups do things, mean things that we alone would never do. That, that a group has a mentality all its own and, and, it can, and it can do some good things, but often groups do bad things that individuals would never do. And hence, you know, zombies... As as an individual, people won't just go out there and kill people. But as zombies, they will. Anyway. Uh, you have a lot of fun with this, too. This book is very funny. Um, and, and, you know, you have some really kind of black humor in it. So tell us about, you know, creating this kind of, you know, combination of, you know, humor and horror. Well, I really loved Shaun of the Dead. And I really like horror. And I think for me, I, I knew when I started writing it, I wanted it to be funny. And I, and I wanted it to be funny because I wanted to make sure I finished it. And so I felt if I'm entertaining myself and laughing all the way, I'll get to the end. So part of it is a device just to make sure I got to the end was to, oh, isn't that funny? Uh, and, and, you know, some things worked and some things didn't work. But for me, it was, it was a blast writing it. And, you know, the first draft was just all jokes and funny and bits and, you know, the eating the mouse and, and hanging, you know, hanging from the ropes and dropping into the zombies. And then I really went back and added the layers of, of character and, uh, and meaning. So once I had a draft out there, then I knew I had a book and, and then I could go back and actually write it. We'll, we'll talk about this, this process of, you know, you, so you started with a kind of more of a, a zombie uh a zombie comedy plot, and then layered in some of the the teen themes and and the individuality themes. So the the themes then emerged from the from the the content of the zombies. I I think so. You know what happens is when I start to write, I I, I start with like a something small or or an incident or or it's like a germ, and and then I start piling stuff on top of it. So the teen stuff is always there because that's. That's just how I see it. This angst is in everything that I'm writing. So I'm not I'm not 
I'm not looking for that. You know, but the other, th- the humanity themes, the other things I find along the way. I don't, uh, I know I'm going to find them. I, my writing process is strange. I know I'm going to find them. And so I don't really look for them. When they come, I say, oh, that's a great theme for the, for the book. And then I kind of go back and, and, and work it in. It's a, it's, a, it's a strange writing style. I don't know what other people do. And my outline is changing. And I have an outline, but it's changing all the time because, and then I add themes and then I sew too many themes. And so I'll start you know, pulling things out. It's strange. <laughs> uh, <I'm> strange. <laughs> uh, when, when you're, one of the things that that's interesting uh, about zombies for me is, is the rules. Because uh, everybody can, you know, zomb- there's lots of different kinds of zombies. There's the I walked with a zombie zombie from, you know, Val Luton. These are the, the traditional Haitian, you know, raised from the dead zombies. And they are not particularly, they're more pathetic yeah. than frightening. Then we get to George Romero, who just basically brought us kind of the apocalypse uh, by a flesh-eating neighbors. And uh, so... Um, You've created your own rules for zombies. Talk about how you saw them at first, how the rules changed, and what they were for, you know, how how you become a zombie. Well, I, I thought that if I was going to go into the genre, I had to create my own rules. I, I had to, I, because I had to create some rules that were, that, that were more fun for me. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, I remember talking to my son about this, and we love zombie stuff. And I was, I was telling him some of the things I was going to do, and he was really looking at me like, Dad, that's crazy. Um, you know, but I, I stayed with it. The, you know, I, I liked the idea that they go to school every day uh, because zombies have sense memory, so they keep doing the same things over and over. I, I liked that. They continue to travel in the same packs they traveled in before they were zombies. I, I like that if you wear fish oil around your neck, zombies can't stand the smell of fish oil, so they'll stay away from you. So I was just, I was really looking, you know, the rules came up as I was writing. I didn't start with, let me list some rules. Uh, the, the one rule I, I knew I wanted in the book, because again, the whole thing about clicks was that the zombies get up in the morning and go to school and their parents don't notice they're zombies. <laughs> that was the one thing, that's the one, that was the one conceit I wanted to keep and that was the most difficult thing because a reader has to buy that. A reader has to buy that they're just operating within normal society and people aren't noticing and that was the buy in the book. Now, uh, that that really works. So, I think in this book, you you really you know get us sold on on showing up and oh my god, the whole school zombies. Not only that, it's gonna stay zombies for the rest of the semester. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're talk about create making uh, you know the fantastic seem kind of mundane and everyday. I don't know how to talk about that. I I, I will say. You know, one of the one of my favorite scenes is when they go to the principal, and and they say, "Oh, everyone's zombies, and and we have to go to the authorities," and and he he he's only has his own self interest, in you know in, in in his mind, and you know he said, "Well, well, wait a minute. So what if they're zombies? I I'll get blamed. I'll, I." I'm up for a promotion. I, I really like that he's he doesn't want to miss out on his promotion. 
So let's just try to get to the end of the semester and and then we'll report it. So I don't know. I thought that was it was funny when I wrote it and so I kept it. And then he comes up with these ridiculous rules that you just read. <laughs> now, uh when you're when you're plotting a book like this, uh part of the plot is, you know, revealing you know the nature of the zombies slowly, and you know we first we just see them, and we well you know they're green, <laughs> and they're they're not too articulate. <laughs> Talk about uh, using you know the unknown nature of zombies as a plot point to keep the readers your readers well, turning the pages. Again, one of the things that was important to the book for me was that Margot tries to make a zombie her boyfriend, and. And so I, I had to create rules that would allow her to do that. So the whole rule of if you if you swat them on the nose with a rolled up newspaper, they'll shrink back. And so so that you could see her like a like trying to tame an animal. You know, she's throwing meat to him and smacking him on the nose. And and so it was it was it was important to me that that Margot work through her her popularity issues and her boyfriend issues. And the only way to do that was to have the most popular boy at school be her boyfriend. And so I had to create rules to make that happen. So sorry, mm. that's what I did. The only way you could do that was for him to be a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you saw what happened. You read the book. You saw what happened before he was a zombie. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't working before he was a zombie. So no, we, well, she, she tried something else. The zombies zombies uh, turn out to be a good thing in your world. <laughs> Well, for Margot, and and that was that was the thing that got me to write the book when I when I stumbled on the whole idea that a person could have the high school year of their dreams, if if only they could survive living among zombies. You know, that was the thing that got that was the thing I thought was the most interesting. How do you have? You, know, you can be the most popular person. You can be prom queen. You can be head of a yearbook committee. You can have all these things. All you have to do is survive among zombies. Well, that sounds like regular high school to me. That sounds like the high school I went to. Yeah, but everybody doesn't get to be in charge on top. Everyone would like to be, the you know, I didn't go to the prom, but everyone would like to be prom king and queen if they go. And if, you're, if you've been a zero all through school, your chances of, 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 of being at the top of the pecking order are, are slim to none. And yet Margot suddenly sees an opportunity to seize that world, and she takes it. And who can blame her? And, and one of the things you, you kind of point out in this book is that we like zombie-like aspects of regular people. I mean, girls like, as you say, brainless boys. Yeah. <laughs> well, you see her list of why dating a zombie boyfriend is better than dating a real boyfriend. You know, he, he doesn't watch ESPN. He'll never dump you. And so, again, I was I was just trying to have fun with, well... If she's going to date a zombie, girls, look at what you get if you do say date a zombie. A brainless boy is better than than another kind of boy. Because you capture her voice so well, it seems like, you know, you're listening to, you know, a kind of a smart teen girl mind, you know, like you've got your radio tuned to to K Margot John John Jean Johnson. Um uh it, you capture some of some of the the nuances, I think, of teen life, and especially I like your your rap on teen talk. Oh, you mean the code? Yeah, the codes. You know that actually came from 
you know, if you read Lauren Miracle's books, TT, uh, I don't know, F, well, I forgot what it was. TTFN. TTFN, thank you. That that young people are talking to each other in code. And so, again, trying to be funny, I wanted to take the code to another level so that, you know, even when Dirk says, uh, could be, uh, Margo wonders, is that code? Is that teen boy code for, I want to go out with you? So, anyway, I was just trying to have fun with the fact that, you know, now there's, there's code and this is how she sees it. One of the things you also have to do in a book like this is you have to kind of keep upping the ante. Right? Yes. And, and and that's, you know, difficult to keep upping the ante and also keep things in the realm so the reader's still there with you. So talk about how, you know, as you write this, using the elements of the fantastic, you know, the 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 rules of zombiehood and your slow revelations as to what's causing this. I think one of the things I, I realized early on when I was laying it out was that we had to discover there were more than just two people who weren't zombies or three people that weren't zombies. Uh, and, I, and I also realized that I wanted to make a mystery out of it, but I realized that there's not really a lot of people around who could have caused it. And so I tried to weave in uh, you know, the gym teacher and uh, uh, the boys that, that we discover. And, and, you know, there's a, you know, I'm not going to do a spoiler, but there's a great reveal near the end as to, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, another person who's not a zombie. A- and so I thought every time I revealed one of those things, it would throw the reader and it would keep the reader off the track of, well, this person has to be the guilty party. And, and that's what I was trying to do. So I was trying to do a little sleight of hand as, a, as I went. Now, uh, zombie literature, of course, has a, you know, there's, there's actually, I think, the influences on, on the recent zombie books that we've seen out, I think, tend to be more cinematic. I mean, because we've seen, we're just now getting a good crop of well-written zombie novels. Um, but we have a kind of a deep lore of, of zombie uh, movies. I, I, I remember reading uh, Roger Ebert's review it wasn't really a review of uh, Night of the Living Dead. He went and saw it in a, in a matinee back in 67 when it came out, and he was just horrified because it was a, it's truly a scary movie. And a lot of the audience was parents who had brought really small children who were completely upset when the, when the zombies were, like, ripping out and ropey intestines. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, could you talk about, you know, maybe some of your cinematic influences? I know there's a there's a rainstorm involved in this, and all I could think of was uh, the uh, recent movie called uh, Return of the Living Dead, yes. which had the absolutely the most smoking hottest punk at zombie you'll ever <laughs> see in your entire life. I can't, and I remember there was a rain involved, and I remember the punk at zombie. I I think for me, everything is visual. I I write. What I like about writing prose for me is that when you're writing for the screen or for TV, you're really only writing the cinematic. And, and so I get to set the scene. And then anytime I want, I can stop and tell you what's happening inside my character. Or, or I can muse for a while. Whereas, you know, as you're writing a screenplay or a teleplay, there's no time for musings. You just have to keep it moving. But I think coming, coming from TV, I think 
I'm always thinking of the visual scene as I'm setting the stage. And so, and then I, you know, while I'm working, I'll watch pieces of movies during the day. I'll, I'll just sit down and say, oh, let me see a piece of that movie. And yeah, I like that scene. And, you know, just looking for you know, different visual things to stimulate me to keep me going. Um, uh, zombies also um, tend to uh, speak to, you know, not just our fear uh, of the of the masses, but our fears of becoming a zombie ourselves. And I think that's one of the most interesting things in this book is we get perceptions kind of from within people who who are zombies. I think, you know, one of the interesting things about Margot, though, is that while she fears becoming a zombie, she also wonders if becoming a zombie wouldn't be that bad because she wants to be accepted into the, the group of the It Girls and they're all zombies. And so, you know, Margot's walking that line, which is, which is so different to me from other zombie movies or other zombie books because usually we're trying not to become zombies, except in Scott Brown's book because, of course, it's from a zombie's POV. But usually we're trying not to become zombies and I really wanted... Uh, uh, again, to have my own spin on it in that Margot looks at it both ways. And the same with Dirk when it's, it's time to, uh, when there's an opportunity that maybe Dirk can be normal again, um, Margot's not so sure she wants that for him. <laughs> that's a, that, that's a, one of the most interesting aspects of this book is the, the kind of uh, zombies play with this dualism of fear and desire and there's a kind of a, a, a body horror element here too and that's one thing that I think you do really capture well is the, is the body horror in a sense because you capture Margot's sense of her own body and, and of course uh, the zombie sense of rotting meat yes <laughs> well it's, it's interesting for for teen girls body images is a very important thing it's a very big thing mm -hmm. and Margot talks about her body image a lot, you know, in the scene where she looks at herself in the mirror, um, when no one else is around and she can wear whatever she wants to wear, and you juxtapose that to these rotting corpses walking through the school. Um, popular corpses. Popular corpses. <laughs> well, her boyfriend's the, the, the most popular corpse in school. And, and so you're just, you know, you're juxtaposing uh, Margot's body image issues with her boyfriend who's a zombie. That's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this book also covers that kind of uh, preteen, uh, you know, the pre-sexual, just, you know, nudging into it that age. And, and I think that the way that you, again, the the aspect of turning into a zombie and not being a zombie. I mean, there's a whole, you know, uh, that's a lot like, sounds like a lot like puberty to me. Well, you know, one of the things I was trying to do with this book and having fun was I really didn't want to address sex. I, it, was, it, was, it was a conscious effort not to address sex. And of course, since you can't slow dance with a zombie, you obviously can't have sex with a zombie. And so I thought with her just having boyfriend issues and just the issue of closeness. I mean, her real issue with this, with this new boyfriend is closeness. That wouldn't it be great if we could hold hands? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if he could hold me in his arms? And, and so I think 
again, I for girls I think closeness is is more important than sex. And so I was really trying to deal with the closeness issue versus sex. And but I think also, uh, as I say, um, when these people turn into zombies, I mean, uh, forget acne, green skin. <laughs> green <laughs> rotting skin is a real problem, isn't it? It is. It is. But that's kind of the fun of it. I mean, again, Margot thinks, well, Sybil gets bit. And so that, you know, that becomes a, a, a time bomb for Margot to deal with as well. And again, I don't want to do any spoilers because I want people to read the book, but uh, I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us a bit about uh, your your next book and, and a little bit about, you know, uh, this is a, is this the first time that you've like written in genre fiction? A long time ago when I was in college, I wrote two horror novels under a pseudonym. Mm -hmm. um, Did they, were they published? Straight horror. Oh, yes. Um, both by uh, Leisure, Dorchester. Oh, boy, I probably read them. What were they? One was called Child's Play. It was, uh, sold very, very well. <laughs> and the other was called The Power. And, uh, I think I did read both of them. Yeah, I was a big Leisure, Leisure Dorchester Leisure, fan. Dorchester, yeah, I was, I was one of the splatterpunks back then. <laughs> so I've, I've always been a fan of horror. But I really wanted to come back. You know, I came back into the genre when I wrote those books. Horror w had peaked, and I, my timing was so bad. And my horror had peaked, and and it must have been in the early '90s, right? Yeah. yeah. And so there was just nothing happening with horror at the time, and you know, I wound up doing other things. But coming back with uh, with all the stuff that's happening in paranormal. I thought, well, I have an opportunity to, to do some fun things, some funny things, and and still flirt with horror. So, you know, that's that's why there's always a horrific element in, in the stuff I'm writing. I actually have two things. I, I have a series I'm working on for my publisher called Hollyweird, um, which is kind of like a teen Anita Blake. You know, Anita Blake is this... Uh, she's a vampire slayer, but she's mm -hmm. actually a necromancer. She can raise the dead, and so... Uh, the girl in my book is not a vampire slayer, but she is a necromancer, and, and she lives in Hollywood, and and she can raise the dead and lay the risen dead to rest, and and she's in high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's better than working at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> and then my that's the series that I just that I'm that I'm close to finishing the first book, and then my next novel is called Boyfriend from Hell, which is somewhat self-explanatory. It, it is about <laughs> a boyfriend, literally from hell so uh, they all have uh, some some humor uh, they all have uh, some horrific paranormal element and I think they have some adventure you know they're all cinematics so I'm having fun I'm just my new thing and I'm enjoying it well I, I gotta get back to these Dorchester leisure novels because okay. that was my that was uh, some of my uh, uh, that's where I started really becoming interested in collecting books and, and stuff so uh, here you are it's back in the mid 80s and so you must have been reading Skip Inspector you and know I was only reading I was reading Peter Straub and Stephen I wanted to be Peter Straub or Stephen King mm -hmm. that's and when I was in college I just started uh, my first novel, mm -hmm. and one of my professors said, "This is." I was just writing some chapters, reading it, 
and he said it's really good and encouraged me to finish it and and then I didn't I I had I read a, a you know Frank Lauria Frank Lauria wrote a book called Raga Six he wrote a number of books yeah. the Doctor Owen Orient series yeah and yeah. I was reading Frank Lauria and I was like wow this stuff is really cool and you know the and I, so I wanted to be really cool and hip but I I wanted to be really graphic and I don't know why I my a lot of my friends thought my books were too graphic mm-hmm. but it was again that was comedy for me it was it's mm-hmm. very interesting how how I went from that to writing. TV comedy, um, but when I was writing those graphic horror scenes, I was just cracking myself up. It was very entertaining to me. So, so you went from writing graphic splatterpunk horror to the Cosby Show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty wild. That is pretty wild. Um, so, uh, and I always tell people, "How did you do that?" And I say, "It's the same thing." <laughs> Uh, uh, do us a favor and return to some of this graphic uh, splatterpunk in the near future. Leisure's still around, you know. I know, uh, I know. Amazingly I enough. I know, amazingly. And, and they still publish some good books. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy I'm happy doing with what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. I'm having fun with the YA. Um, I like writing about girls. And... Uh, until do you have a do you have comes to mind now do you have a, a because I think you write well from a from a young girl's perspective do you have somebody who runs you run this past and say uh, hey am I saying anything completely insane no I had a reader on the first novel my agent's daughter is fifteen just turned sixteen she reads everything. And she loves it. So, you know, she reads everything I write and she's like, you know, she makes suggestions. You know, but I blog with a lot of young people. I hate to say that, but, you know, I don't know how I captured. I try to make it as authentic as possible. There's a lot of writing today by young people in their own voices. And so I try to read some of that Mm -hmm. to hear what their issues are and what they're saying. And then these girls... You know the characters I write about they they're already in my head, so I just want to make sure I'm channeling what's happening in in today's teen and tween world through these girls that are rotten in my brain <laughs> <laughs> now uh you you have a website and you you have a blog does that play much of a part in your writing or is it uh, I, time I, sync or uh or a my, getaway no well, right now I'm having a Twitter contest. Really? So it's almost over. I think today is the last day. It's been, it's, uh, I'm giving away six books in six days for tweeting uh, Never Slow Dance with a Zombie in a sentence. And so people are coming up with incredibly clever sentences, including the title or phrase Never Slow Dance with a Zombie. It started Friday night. We had, we were, I thought we'd get like 100 tweets. We had 1,100 tweets. Friday, 944 on Sunday. Uh, we're up to, it's, 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 it's tapered off, but I think as of this morning, we had like 3,600 tweets with Never Slow Dance with a Zombie in a Sentence. So it's, wow, that sounds like fun. fun. Yeah. This is a fun idea. Uh-huh. I, I'm actually having fun, kind, you know, coming up with things to do. 
on October 24th, which you will be invited to, I am having the Never Slow Dance with a Zombie Fest uh, here in Culver City. And uh, it'll be a reading and a signing, and uh, the room will be decorated like uh, the Winter Dance, and zombies will be there. And we'll will it just be in the bookstore? I, I, I couldn't find a bookstore to do it at. I'm actually having it at a place. I, I'm, I'm going to mess up the name of the place. But if anyone wants to know, it'll be on my blog and my website. And if anyone wants to come, all you have to do is request an invitation. It's free. And it'll be food and music and a reading. And zombies. And zombies. <laughs> <laughs> and dancing zombies. Dancing zombies. Will they be slow dancing, though? Can't slow dance with a zombie. <laughs> You should know that, Rick. I guess I've learned that by now. Evan Lowe is the author of Never Slow Dance with a Zombie. Thank you for speaking with me. Thanks for having me, Rick. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.